0: Welcome to the For Love and Money podcast, the show where business and social purpose meet to inspire a movement for positive change. Here's your host, Carolyn Butler-Madden.
1: I'm super excited to introduce my guest today, Jeff Manchester, co-founder of Intrepid Group. Globally recognized as a pioneer in responsible travel, Jeff Manchester is the co-founder of Intrepid Group, the world's largest provider of adventure travel experiences and director of the company's not-for-profit, the Intrepid Foundation. Jeff and his best mate, Daryl Wade, founded Intrepid Travel in 1989 with the vision of creating small group adventures that travel the local way, benefiting both travellers and the places that they visit. More than a quarter of a century later, Intrepid Travel has grown to become Intrepid Group, a portfolio of specialist tour operators and 23 destination management companies, taking over 400,000 travelers to more than 120 countries on all seven continents and employing more than 2,000 staff in 29 offices around the world. I've been a big fan of Intrepid Travel and the leadership they've taken in responsible tours. My daughter's first backpacking experience in Vietnam was with Intrepid Travel in 2019. And despite the fact that I've never actually taken an organised tour in my life, I have some domestic Intrepid tours now shortlisted for all the reasons that you will hopefully discover through this interview. Jeff, welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on our show.
0: Hi, Carolyn. and uh, It's great to be with you and uh, talking on the podcast.
1: Um, so before we get into your story and the Intrepid story, can I ask you, a general question first. What does purpose in business mean to you and what do you think is the role of love in business?
0: Um, look I think it's various aspects of purpose and I think it's for one thing it's very much uh, tied up with the role of capitalism in our society and over the last year after over the last 50 years um, capitalism has really become bastardized in a lot of ways um, because it was never intended to be um, existing primarily primarily for the benefit of the owners. Um, but the whole concept of um, uh, shareholder primacy has developed over the last 50 years, and that's um, diverted capitalism uh, from what it's meant to be, which is um, impacted on the purpose of companies. Because really, companies have um, benefits and privileges over other forms of doing business in society, and, and really they have a, a, a responsibility to other stakeholders. And And I think we've got to the nadir of the concept of shareholder primacy, and we're starting to move back into um, a bit more uh, consideration for all stakeholders, which is uh, really positive.
1: Absolutely. Oh, yeah. my God, you're talking my language. <laughs> it, 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 I... I, I I talk a lot about. I feel like we took a detour, a wrong way yeah. detour. Like Milton Friedman has so much to answer for. Yeah. Because
0: I didn't mention his name, but that's right. It, it, it comes uh, from Milton Friedman. He does have a lot to answer for, and and it's amazing how um, the the business and economic society or um, uh, people just um, took on board what he what he said so seemingly so easily.
1: I, I know. I, I mean, if if you actually sit and think about it, it it it's just not rational. A 12-year-old could tell you what would happen if you make profit the soul and social responsibility of business, you know, that human greed will take over. So it, it's just bizarre that we so readily accepted it and jumped on board. And, the, you know, society just went that way.
0: Hopefully, it's over the worst, and we're heading back, which, which I think it is. So, another area of purpose, um, the word purpose is used, I think, is for is around core purpose, and. Um, you know, a core purpose is um, essentially why you're coming to work every day, why the business exists, what it is that you're trying to do. And for us, we treat core purposes very much as an internal concept. It's not as though it's used uh, very much in our in our marketing or advertising or anything. And for us, our, our core purpose is best travel experience ever. And um, as an internal, um, concept and something we want to apply to um, everyone in the business, we then add a prefix that's relevant to each person in the business and their role in the company. So for instance, for someone who creates product, for them the core purpose is to create the best travel experience ever. For someone in our reservations, um, it might be to book the best travel experience ever or to sell the best travel experience. And for our our um our leaders around the world who run the trips, for them it's to operate the best travel experience ever. So so that's core purpose.
1: Brilliant. And look, you've yeah, you you've got right into that. And I want to explore um this this uh the purpose and, and you've touched on it, best travel experience, because it sounds like just a generic term, but it's not it's it, it there's so much more to it and you know you you shared with me um intrepid's 2020 annual report and I can't believe I've never said these words about an annual report before but um it it, it was just beautiful to read it because it said so much about who you are and best travel experience is so much more than a generic phrase um and that comes through your report so I'm, I'm eager to get into it
0: then the next concept of purpose that I've identified is is higher purpose. And the higher purpose is much more linked to the vision of the business and what the future is that you want to see through your business and um, what is the role of that business in the future. Um, And and I guess higher purpose is about spurring your people into action and what's going to motivate them uh, and what's going to motivate really your potential customers to spend their money with you. Um, and so, for us, our higher purpose is to be the best travel company for the world, um, and that's a that's a big uh, statement. And there's lots of aspects of how we might go about trying to achieve this. Um, and we'll, we'll in our in the talk we'll, we'll cover some of the activities that that uh, are involved around that. And certainly, becoming a B Corp is one of the the basis of that. Um, uh, but yes, but higher purpose is is probably more what you're referring to when you when you ask me about purpose, and and I think it's really important for companies to to have some sort of higher purpose
1: because that drives everything you do. And I love you know best travel company for the world. It just says everything. It it says everything about you. It shows that you're a business in service. You know, it's not you're not just there to take you're there to serve um, all your stakeholders. And I absolutely love that as a higher purpose. And and what I'd like to ask you is where does love come into it? Where does love come into purpose?
0: Um, Look, I think the role of love um, is an extension of of, of having purpose in the business um, and and perhaps is a result of really focusing on purpose. Um, thinking it's about care in a way um, and and showing that you have care and love for your stakeholders. So it's not just about your staff. And while the staff is a really important one and and one that you can show love, I think it's around the customers and and love for the environment and wanting to protect ensure the environment is there into the long-term future. Um, But but also care for for your, your suppliers who are so important for a business.
1: And I wonder, and I'm going to ask you to share your startup story. And I believe there's a converted rubbish truck involved in that story. Um, but I, I, I also wonder if you know it, it was your and Daryl's shared love of backpacking. And I read somewhere that you know you you wanted <laughs> your friends to experience it, and some of your friends just didn't have the. You know, that they didn't have the courage that you did to do independent travel the way you did it. And you wanted to give them a sense of the experience you had. So, you know, love comes into play there because it started with your love for traveling, style of travel, didn't it?
0: Well, that's right. Yes, very much our love for for backpacking and wanting to share that with other people because, you know, backpacking is not the easiest thing to do. And there's a lot of people who probably aren't suited to backpacking for a number of reasons, whether it's confidence or or whatever. And so we wanted to create a, a style of travel that was essentially... Uh, like backpacking, in that it gave you uh, an experience of the country you visited um, as it really exists. Not how tourists often see a country isolated in a resort or a high-rise hotel, Um, getting down and dirty and um, mixing with the people and learning about the history and the culture and the politics of the country. Um, And we felt that, um, you know, that's that's what you do when you're backpacking and we felt we... Uh, there might be a place in the market for a product that did that uh, in an, on an organised basis. So that's basically, that's what we headed, headed out to do. Um, so, so taking groups of people, up to 12 people, uh, travelling around initially Southeast Asia, um, learning about those countries.
1: Fantastic. And so you started in Southeast Asia, did you?
0: Yes, yeah, so our very first destination was Thailand and I was the intrepid leader in Thailand. So I had... Um, an opportunity for a while to do the best job in the world because you're traveling around a, an amazing country with people who are, who are on holidays. And so, so um, it's an incredible experience. And so while well, Daryl stayed back to do uh, in Melbourne to do our sales and marketing and development, uh, and that really worked well. And then we started employing other leaders and expanding um, from Thailand into uh, Malaysia and Borneo, West Malaysia, Indonesia, and gradually um, throughout Southeast Asia.
1: And how long were you leading the Thailand tours, Jeff?
0: Uh, probably only initially only for six months, but then in big periods each year for a couple of years, I, I would lead uh, lead the trips. But it was never never the idea that I would do that long term because we felt we wanted both of us um, to be in Melbourne to be working on the business and developing the business uh, because because we really needed it to get to a you know a, a reasonable size fairly quickly so that um, so that we knew it was a s- sustainable business.
1: And and how long did that take before you realised that this is this has you know it's sustainable, it's got substance.
0: I guess it, there was a number of steps, but I guess after um, after six months of running trips, we felt like we were getting a reasonable number of people on the trips, and there seemed to be interest. Although we identified that we couldn't get enough business out of Australia, and started looking for business outside of Australia. But it, it, but it was probably three years. So at the three year mark, we'd seen we'd had really good growth. Um, we were getting uh, distributions through travel agents and uh, direct to consumers. Um, we were getting some sales out of North America and the UK and New Zealand. Um, and at that point, we felt like um, uh, we, we had what could be a business. And at that point, we started paying uh, ourselves after three years. Um, <laughs> and so, and I guess that was a big step of saying, yes, the business can afford to pay us now. Um, and And then, yes, it just continued to take off from there.
1: So I I'd, I'd love to explore how purpose um your higher purpose has guided and shaped intrepid um over the years like pre-pandemic obviously the pandemic has had a massive impact i mean the travel industry is impacted more than any other industry um and and that's a whole thing in itself but but before the pandemic i'd like to start there how how has it guided you and i know you know the way you've articulated your higher purpose now. It may be a new articulation, but it just seems to me, as as I've, you know, as I've learned about intrepid, it seems to have been the guiding principle um, throughout your business. So I just wondered how it's guided you pre-pandemic through the years.
0: Um Your yeah, purpose, I guess, has always guided us, and while, while it's not a term that we um, have used for. Terribly many years. Um, I guess we've always um, considered uh, other stakeholders in the business rather than just be um, driven purely by profit alone, uh, and certainly identifying that profit alone doesn't motivate um, all people.
1: Some, some of some of the things that I saw your destination management companies, the way you structured that, to me, that was in service of maybe maybe it's more your core purpose around uh, you know providing the best travel experience ever not just for the customer but but for the people um and the communities that, that your customers visited um so your destination management companies um your animal welfare you know the way you've approached animal welfare through that um even even your women's only tours i love that
0: <laughs> uh, yes look, i guess yes they're all manifestations of it i guess and um Early on, I guess, um, early on, we had a belief that if we were going to make our living out of taking people to uh, developing countries, then we should give back to those developing countries. And, uh, and so we were supporting small, local, uh, not-for-profit organisations in Southeast Asia in those first three years before we got paid and before Intrepid was making a profit. So I guess that's wow. reflective of, of um, our attitude to, to doing business. Um And we identified um, a concept that we called responsible travel and uh, I guess in a way um, created that term and and employed someone to be our responsible travel manager back in the 90s. And that was, I guess, um, around wanting to ensure that what we did was sustainable and it didn't have a negative impact on the places that we visited and and also educated the travellers about travelling responsibly, responsibly, which is such a really big issue. And I guess yeah, that's, that goes back to, I guess, a concept of love and, and that we love those places and we didn't want to um, see that we could operate trips there for 10 years and then they were destroyed. We wanted them to um, those places to exist into the, the long-term future as um, desirable destinations to visit. Um, because the tourism industry doesn't have the best record on um, ensuring the sustainability of the places they visit.
1: Yeah, over tourism is a big, big problem, or at least it yeah. was before before the pandemic. But see, that that tells me a lot, Jeff. Like like you say, purpose isn't something you've used a lot in the past. A word you've used a lot in the past. But to me, it's because it's it's intuitive to you. It's just yeah. the way you've it's the way you've done business, and you've been purpose driven. Throughout, you just haven't articulated it as a purpose.
0: Yes, that's right. And look, I think um, certainly over the the last ten years or so, it's um, shaped our business um, because we're seeing that a focus on purpose leads to leads mm-hmm. to growth and profit. Um, and so, you know, a really great example of, of that is that we did uh, research into the uh, the use of elephants in tourism in uh, in Asia, and as a result of that uh, research, we decided uh, we couldn't offer elephant riding anymore uh, because I won't go into why, but there's there's a whole story on why you shouldn't be doing elephant riding. Um, but that then became a campaign to um, uh, to um, to encourage other tour operators to start stop uh, offering elephant riding, and that and that's been really very successful um and and that's that's morphed into uh, a concern about the use of all animals in tourism and campaigns to stop the use of all animals in tourism and while we've invested in that all the way along it's just benefited us enormously because we're now the elephant experts so every time an elephant dies say in cambodia during um when there's a tourist riding them or ele- every time on world elephant day media around the world contact intrepid because we're the elephant experts, and uh, and so that that um, increases our uh, our profile in the media, um, and it uh, it it's a, a message that our potential customers really love, and so it's it's hugely beneficial.
1: It attract, it, it attracts people who who share the same principles and values you you do. And that's yes. gold, isn't it? That, that elephant, I, um I, I listened to um, one of your podcasts and someone was talking about a, an elephant video, um, an intrepid oh, yes. elephant video. And I really, just because of what, what he said, I didn't want to watch it. I just thought it was going to be too sad. And I really resisted watching it until, until the other day I thought, no, I've got to do this. And it was sad, but it was also so happy. Like it was such an emotional video, and you know the one I mean. And yeah, I love yeah. the story, um, like the, um, the, the 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 rehabilitation centre for elephants, yes. and um, the lady who runs one of them, who they call the Elephant Whisperer, I believe. Mac, uh, yes. Yes, yeah, yeah, and um, one of the workers there was, was talking about the centre and saying how elephants who have been used for elephant riding tours come here, you know, to rehabilitate and they come angry, broken, sad and over time they rebuild trust with humans, they gain weight mm-hmm. and, you know, they they have beautiful lives and she tells a story about an elephant in the neighbours, um, you know, in a neighbouring area um, that being used for elephant riding who kept escaping and coming coming to the resort day after day after day until, until the owner said, you're going to have to buy this elephant. Yes. And the happy ending is they did and the elephant came and lived happily ever after. So mm-hmm. I thought that was such yes. a beautiful story. It is. It's great, yeah. Yeah. and it, and and it's those stories who yeah it make it they make up who you are and and who you attract um and there was another story i heard um from one of your senior product managers who talked about um the women's only tour right. in yes. iran can you can you tell us about that
0: yes yeah, so um i guess I'm not sure why we came up with the concept. It was probably one of our product people who travelled to Iran and other Middle Eastern countries who, who, from her own experience, it's seen that there's things that um, women do in those countries that we don't experience travelling as a group with males and females. Um, but not only that, also that 65% of our travellers are females, so so we're looking for things for them to be able to do. And, and, and also there's been a bit of a growing... Um, market for um, female only trips. So we created three trips I think in Iran, Morocco and Turkey for female only trips led by females and they're able to do a whole lot of activities that um, only females can do within those countries and you know it might be something um, very simple like going to a um, uh, a beauty salon with some Iranian women, um, which seems like a really mundane thing. But then the experience of going uh, with these Iranian women who who are who are covered when they're out in public, but when they go somewhere private, they um, they take off their hijab and they you know they wear beautiful clothes like westerners and they're really interested in the same sort of things as westerners, um, and 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 the women get to experience that and and so those trips were hugely hugely successful. Mm. Um, and so we expanded that range um, to, to quite a few other countries um, with, with similar cultures where, where there's more um, division between males and females and, and just the, this ex- the cultural experience that, that uh, females from Western countries t- can, can have.
1: And I love that it, it, that experience enables us it enables you to realize that we have more in common than we believe.
0: Oh yes, that's right. Absolutely, yes, right. And and our travel is all about experiences, and so it's it's they were unique experiences that we we're able to create um, that we we hadn't been able to before.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, tell me about the pandemic. Um, you know, you you went from uh, I believe you know you your 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 financial performance your business success would, was at its highest heights and then literally overnight bam um, what happened how did you how how have you how have you managed to get through this period
0: I think um, the, the most important thing was that we have experienced in downturns and like during the 2000s we uh, suffered a whole lot of downturns like small ones that didn't might be three months impact like um, the World Trade Center bombing and the Bali bombing or to the two Bali bombings but then there were longer, longer ones like SARS and uh, bird flu and during that period we really learned how you we needed to um, retain profits in the business so we have money sitting there for for rainy days and we also learned about how you need to act early and um, make decisions about how you're going to handle a major catastrophe and act on it quickly. And so I think when uh, COVID hit, um, the first uh, aspect of it was that we had something like um, 5,000 people out on the road with us all around the world, and we had to get them all back to all sort of the countries around the world. And that took uh, that took a huge amount of work by um, by a big group of people within the company. Um, not so that, much. That get, would have been massive. It was really massive, and like a lot of people got home relatively easily. But there would have been, a, you know, a couple of hundred that were really were quite hard, and then there was probably fifty that was really really hard, and and a few that just it was just really really difficult to get home. So so that was that was. Um, <laughs> almost a bit traumatic um, right at the very start and uh, but then um, it became obvious that um, we just had to close down the business well um, not close down but we had to put the, the business into hibernation and so we we acted quickly and unfortunately we had to um, make about fifty percent of our uh, staff redundant, which was mm-hmm. which is very very difficult because because uh, we're very very close as an organisation, um, and just stop spending money uh, um, and people who were still working going on to limited hours um, and and just try and get through. And we always knew we would get through because we um, because we had the money uh, put away uh, and because we knew how much we calculated how much money we would need each month to, to keep the business sort of ticking over a little bit. Um, and, and so we just yeah continued on when we've continued on for much, much longer, um, but, but also doing new things because we realized we had to do uh, much more domestic travel. Um, and while we do some domestic travel in Australia, it's been um, very minimal, really. And so we pivoted to have our product people creating uh, what we call local travel here in Australia, but also in North America and the UK because uh, we have big markets there as well. Um, and um, yeah, just creating lots of trips here. But but even that's quite challenging because we need to. Um, find out what it is that our travellers like to do with us in their own country rather than a a third country. And so, yes, we started creating uh, some new local product. And uh, so we've been creating lots of different styles to try and work out what it is that our travellers would like to do travelling domestically. The one that's really taken off very quickly is uh, walking trips and so we've okay. um we've developed a whole lot of walking trips all around australia and um and they're selling very very well um, cycling trips are a bit more slow to take off um, and we're doing some other center-based trips which are really interesting which would be going somewhere like the daintree rainforest um, staying in one place so you're not moving a, a, around a whole lot and people have that uh, confidence of only having to go to one hotel and doing a range of activities um uh, over four or five days from from that one base. Uh, so yeah, so all sorts of things that we're trying.
1: I, yeah, I must say I'm eyeing off your Larapinta trail uh, oh, yes. tour that <laughs> yes that, uh, that yes. I've been looking at the, at the Larapinta trail for a while and then I, it's popped up that you were doing it and it was like, oh yes, okay, <laughs> so so that's an exciting one. Do you think how how do you think um, the pandemic is going to change travel? In the long term,
0: oh, I think the, the, um, a couple of ways. Um, one is that people will, um, will probably will probably want to do what you could call more purposeful travel, in that they're going because they've sort of um, been cocooned, I think, and and they've realised the importance, perhaps, of family and culture and things that they're going to want to travel in a way that um, that they're experience that is more experiential which is the way the market has been moving uh, over the last 20 30 years moving towards what what it is that we do but i think that will accelerate um over the next few years um, and i guess the other one is probably uh to travel less often um, but, but for longer periods because um, there's more realization about the the um, impact on uh climate change and and global warming and uh, at at long, long last that seems to be getting more discussion and people more concerned about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things that really stood out to me was um, through the, I think it was even the early stages of the pandemic, um, but how, how, how you've, your advocacy of responsible tourism in the industry. I mean, obviously you've been doing it for yourselves but through the pandemic, you you started looking at how you can use your influence within the industry um, for responsible travel on climate change and animal welfare. And I believe as well, sharing some of your resources. Is that right?
0: Yeah, that's right. So, um, I guess because we're um, you know, we not doing very much activity at all and we don't have any money to spend on marketing, um, we're putting quite a big effort into PR because PR can be very, very low cost. And uh, so engaging both our customers and uh, travel media and even business media as much as we can. And so one of the things that we've done is to release uh, a 10-point plan for a travel company wanting to become uh, carbon neutral and we have a lot of experience in this because we've been carbon neutral since 2010 um and uh, in the last two years we've moved to um, offsetting our uh, our carbon uh, consumption by 125% not just 100% wow and then earlier this year we became the first travel company in the world to base our uh, our 2030 um carbon projections on with um, science-based targets and so this new science-based targets is a very important part of um, uh, identifying and proving what you do as a business and so yes we're first to do that and so so we feel um, being carbon neutral we don't see as being a competitive advantage in the industry we just see that as something that we 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 should be doing and we want other companies to be doing as well because the travel industry gets a lot of uh, criticism around its uh, carbon consumption and so if we can be uh, helping other companies to just take those initial steps uh, well that's that's a really positive move.
1: That's brilliant and and what it underscores for me is you know the the typical um, traditional business is thinks about win lose you know yes. there's there's only so much pie and I've got to win as much of it as possible um, so I'm not you know we don't lose and and it, you know then you move to win-win. but I think you've gone that next step to win with, which is if we work together um, to create a better travel industry, we're all going to win not just the travel operators in the industry, but our customers, you know the, the, the communities we operate in and you know the planet and animals and and everything. And that that the actions you've taken really underscore that to me.
0: Oh, that's right, and because the, the um, you know, climate change is a huge threat to the travel industry. I mean, it might be just totally decimated. Um, so there's aspect, that aspect, but there's also the aspect of, um, of uh, governments could start controlling. Uh, travel, knowing it is such a big impact, and uh, and really the big impact is around flying. And if somehow we can we can act before governments act and reduce the the carbon impact of flying, well, well that's positive for the industry as a whole. Um, so you know we we've always viewed it that you know we. Um, we're part of the problem and we should be part of the solution. Mm. Uh, and while we don't sell, while we aren't an airline, uh, everyone who, you know, 99% of people travellers would probably take a flight to get to the start of their trip. So, so we need to be doing as much as we can to uh, encourage the whole industry to be addressing carbon so that there's to minimise the threat to the industry.
1: Yeah, Paul Polman, who's the ex um, CEO of Unilever, I know. I know you you know him well. In um, in a speech he gave at an awards um, ceremony a couple of years ago, he talked about the need for businesses to move from CSR, corporate social responsibility, which he framed as less bad, and he said that is no longer good enough. We have to become RSC, responsible social corporations. And, you know, I think that frames it so well, and that's exactly how you guys are showing up.
0: Yeah, so I guess that links to the whole concept of regenerative tourism, which is something that we do, but which we plan to do much more of uh, into the future and what is regenerative tourism well um you might know the term regenerative agriculture which is um which is becoming quite significant now and regenerative agriculture is uh, a style of farming that improves the land while you're farming rather than degrades the land and regenerative tourism is a bit the same so it's it's about operating in a way that is beneficial to the local uh the local community rather than detrimental. And I guess it's a step ahead of responsible travel in that it's um, or sustainable travel which about doing no harm. Regenerative travel is about improving the places that you visit. And to give you an example of that, um, several years ago in Myanmar, which is a really unfortunate example at the moment, given what's happening there, a few years ago in uh, Myanmar, we worked with uh, an organization called Action Aid, where we went to three small villages in a remote part of Myanmar who had no relationship with tourism whatsoever. Um, and we helped them to develop a tourism product so that now uh, intrepid trips go there, um, well did go there pre-COVID, um, several times a week and where it's be- beneficial it isn't like just we go into a small village and um, have a look around and leave again and the benefit might be to someone who sells a few bottles of coca-cola or some water or something like that. It's much broader than that so Action a- Action Aid have worked to train the people as to um, how to interact with tourists, how to talk to tourism, how to, tourists how to lead them on a, on a small walk or whatever. they've built um, some accommodation where we can uh, stay. they've taught them about um, how to do a cooking class, uh, all sorts of things so that when we go and stay for two nights in the, one of those three villages um, a whole lot of people in the villages benefit from the tourism from tourism rather than just a very small minority and it's been hugely successful. Our, our, our travellers love it. Um, the villages have, um, have been really involved, a whole lot of them. Um, it's increased the income in those villages. Um, we've got out around it. They've had lots and lots of politicians come up and visit the villages. Um, when the politicians, uh, uh, in Myanmar, I visit a village. I always give them money to develop something else in the village, and so so that's a, a really positive way tourism contributes to a community, um, and to contributes to a community who wouldn't necess- who wouldn't otherwise be involved in tourism, um, and and contributes to it in a way that they have control over and they uh, have long term benefit over and they want to be doing it as, as much as anything because that's a I guess a core part of it right from the start that they want to be doing it and so so um, we call that community based tourism and it's a form of regenerative tourism and it's something that we will um, roll out more and more uh, over coming years as, as, um, as tourism returns to normal.
1: I love that, and it's a great example of how of how um, being driven by a higher high purpose it, it creates innovation within within the organisation. Is that is that um, new to the industry?
0: Uh, yes, it is new to the industry. We're not the only ones doing it. There are other. Um, There's a couple of other travel companies who would be doing it, but there's some um, more not-for-profits doing it on on very, very small scale. Um, But the trouble is where it works really well is that it was the village and a um, non-government organisation and a a for-profit organisation for us doing it because quite often uh, a community, especially Australian Indigenous community, might get some money to develop a tourism product. And the assumption is, once you develop a tourism product, the, the people will come. And developing the products the easiest, thing, getting the people to come is the hard bit. And where this works well, we were able to work with them as what they need to be providing that will attract our customers, uh, so that we can be confident that we will sell customers uh, sell their product and get people there. And so, so um, yeah, so that's that's why it works so well.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And and do you see it? Do you see it as the future? For travel
0: like yes most certainly because because i was saying before about people um wanting to do more experiential travel this is just totally experiential and uh and because as people travel more i find that they want to get more out of their travel i mean you can go and stay in a, a resort in bali and thailand and fiji you know lots and lots of times but often people start to think you know what's outside the walls of that of that resort, and what can be I to be doing uh, other than just sitting in a resort by the pool? And so, um, so it is the way that uh, tourism is is moving. If you look in the, if you look in the um, Saturday or the travel sections of the papers, uh, and see what is talked about and what's advertised now, it's no longer about going and seeing the Eiffel Tower in Paris. It's about mm-hmm. going and experiencing something with a family in Paris. And you know that's what we've been doing for thirty years, but that's what the mainstream industry is looking at doing now.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And and th- that's that sort of experience is is where you know people people learn so much more. Otherwise, you're mm-hmm. just sunning yourself on a you know pool deck or whatever it is.
0: Uh, look, that's right. And that that learning aspect of travel is really really important, um, both uh, as at an individual level but also at a macro level um i've i've been going around the world the last 15 years um uh saying that every american teenager should be sent to egypt to learn how welcoming islamic people are mm-hmm. because in, in egypt and lots of other places they are as well because if if they learned about that they'd be less scared of islamic mm-hmm. people and that would oh, yeah. to solve just a whole lot of problems that exist in the world
1: Oh, one hundred percent. i I when i um when I left school, I finished my schooling in the u k and I was I meant to go to university, but I started traveling and right. and you know, backpacking. and i I just I didn't even travel for that long, but the short time I traveled, I learned more about myself and people around me. and yeah, it it's it's the best university you can ever go to i think travelling and particularly independent travelling or experiential travelling yes. um and yeah regenerative regenerative tourism americans australians so yeah our our young people need to really get out there and and learn from others
0: oh, that's right and look even um you know we, we've taken our when our kids were young we took them out of primary school for a term to go travelling and and the The schools are very supportive of that. Maybe not so much in secondary school, but it's certainly primary. The the teachers know that, yes, they might miss out on learning a little bit, um, but they're just learning so much more and becoming such more independent people uh, by going and experiencing some other part of the world.
1: Absolutely. Um, I want to talk a a bit about um, who your identity, Intrepid's identity you know, when it comes to purpose, everyone talks about why. Start with why, and I'm a big fan of Simon Sinek and and the whole principle of why. But I think there's a missing part, and that is who, because I I feel that purpose is so much about your identity, who you are, and um, starting with knowing who you are um, in terms of your narrative and your worldview and your beliefs, because that is going to drive your why. Seth Godin talks a lot about people like us. And I talk a lot about people like us. He says, you know, um, from a marketing perspective, people like us do things like this. I, I've extended that. Um, when you look through the purpose lens, as people like us believe things like this. And it's a, I believe a really good starting point for someone who is on their first steps on a path to purpose to start understanding their identity and, you know, what it is their best people believe, whether it's their employees or their customers or their investors or their partners. Um, how would you articulate Intrepids people like us, your your identity, who you are, what you believe?
0: Yep. So for us... Um, one of the phrases that we've used is um, changing the way people see the world, and I guess that's got two meanings: in changing the way uh, people travel, uh, so travelling in an experiential style as they can do with us, uh, because that is so much more sustainable. But change, um, but travelling so that they change their view of the world, and and uh, so that they experience they experience things which makes them less fearful um because fear is obviously uh a uh, something that is behind a whole lot of people's attitudes and feelings about things so so um reducing fear is is very valuable so um so I guess for our our, our motivation is is in those areas I guess
1: yeah fantastic and and so the people who join intrepid travel your your people your team um, your employees the people in your destination management companies um does it does it change the way? I, I guess what I'm getting at is, does it make them more emotionally invested in the company than just a standard company?
0: Oh look, absolutely, um, it it does because they feel like they're part of um, something that is doing good for the world and that they're contributing to um, just the immense joy our travellers get out of their travels, um, and so. Yes, yeah, so they that really becomes part of them and and their contribution they see is really important um, and so uh, so that's really important for the business because that's that's engaging people uh, and probably in some ways more so for um, our people outside the developed countries in in our destination management companies because um, we're we're employing them uh, in this we're employing them I guess treating them with a really basic word in the same way as we treat people in developed countries and that is is so totally different from uh, the way people are often employed in, in developing countries which is really sad um, but it but it's things like and it can be quite hard it's things like Um, enabling people to think for themselves and and in in some countries you you just don't do that as an employee and it can get very frustrating because they only do what they're told Um, and we've got to train them to um, to understand that they can think for themselves and they can be creative and and um, they can do more than we expected, and um, and that's really beneficial to them, and and they will enjoy that and get much more out of their job, and and be able to move on to do new jobs, and and we see that so often. We'll have. Um, in a place like Kenya, uh, so in Africa, we, we do um, overland trips on these big trucks that carry about 20 people. And we've had instances of someone who will join the company as a mechanic. And so they work in our workshop and they repair the trucks. And they see our leaders working, they, they want to become a leader. And so um, they do their training and become a leader. And they, then they start leading groups of people all over Africa and running trips, which is just a, a huge step forward. But then some of those will then go and work in our office in, in managing our operations or in our product or whatever, uh, and, and just developing as people and, and, and uh, you know, that for me that is hugely rewarding. Um, and that's making the company really successful.
1: Yeah, and it's life changing for them.
0: Is it is life changing? And yes.
1: you talked earlier about the intrepid family. It, it must feel like a family, which is why it must have been so hard, harder than most companies to have to let go of people when the pandemic oh, yes, hit.
0: Yes, absolutely. And and look, a lot of people work for us for for many many years, especially in again a lot of the developing countries where. Um, well, you do you do still uh tend to stick with a company much longer and not move about as much as people do here um and so yeah so that that has been really hard but also especially in those countries because they don't necessarily have the social support that we do in um, australia or you know us canada or uk
1: yeah um okay jeff i want to talk about money now mm-hmm. um and how being purposeful has driven profit for you. So um, understanding that COVID has put the brakes on everything, can you talk us um, up to COVID about the success the business was having? And then, you know, from a business performance perspective, what's happened since COVID?
0: Okay, so I guess um, over the last four or five years, we have grown very quickly and become more and more profitable. And there's a direct correlation between our purposeful activities and our growth and profit. And so we've, over the last few years, invested more and more of our, uh, I guess, our marketing dollar into, um, into purposeful activities into and into PR uh, supporting those activities. And so uh, when COVID came along, um, uh, we stopped spending any money on marketing, um, and but we did decide that we needed to continue with our um, our PR and purposeful activities to keep to keep engagement with our customers primarily, um, and because people people at home they've probably got more time to read the things that we publish uh, than they did before, and so. Um, so that's why we've continued on with with um, publishing the the ten point guide to carbon um, uh, becoming carbon neutral and and our other guide around um, uh, the use of animals in tourism. So so doing those things uh, on an ongoing basis, so that when um, uh, when COVID does finally finish, uh, people will have intrepid in mind and be ready to decide, oh, yes, I, I, I want to travel now. Oh, yes, I want to do an intrepid trip because I've seen what they've been doing over um, over the last 18 months and uh, I really want to support that.
1: Yeah, brilliant. And, and look, you mentioned marketing, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to dive into this now actually. You you put customers at the heart of your social storytelling. Can you tell me a little bit about your hashtag be Together campaign?
0: Oh okay, so um I guess our our business is all, all about um uh traveling and, and um doing new and exciting things, but when COVID hit it that that obviously stopped. Um but and so one of the things we uh did to is continue to have our name out and engage with our customers is is to um uh, release a video on this concept of being together and now isn't uh, a time to um to go traveling but we still want to be together as a community and uh and that video is just delightful um and I guess it's reflective of.
1: it made uh, me cry like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then all the letters the that that your um intrepid travelers have been writing to each other
0: Yes, that's right. That's about, about, it must be getting close to a year ago. We, um, yes, encouraged people to um, to get back in contact with the people they had travelled with and and write a letter and, and be together, even though they couldn't physically be together. And, you know, I guess that's one of the other real joys we get out of um having people traveling with us is that people do create lifelong friends so you know you travel in a group of 10 to 15 people and they'll come from all around the world and um and you know so and, and people identify that as being really valuable. So they're not just travelling to a, a country uh, that has a different culture; they're travelling with people from cultures as well. And and often they do become a lifelong friends. In fact, um, a couple of years ago, um, uh, I did a trip in Costa Rica with my family, and there was three women on that who um, met on the Intrepid trip, and they every year they um, negotiate and work out a destination, and they go on a trip together.
1: I love that. That's so cool. Big. And and it's not surprising because it goes back to your people like us, you know, because Intrepid is so clear about who you are and what you stand for that you attract people like you. And so you have common values in your tour group. So it's not surprising that, you know, um, strong friendships are made.
0: Yeah. And that's that's that is right and, and and it's really reflective in that we have a wide a range of age groups traveling with us. Uh, so you know on a I guess most of our customers are in the sort of 25 to 45 age group, but we get younger people and we get lots of people in their 50s and 60s and 70s. And sometimes younger people are a bit concerned about traveling with the older people. But it is never, never an issue because everyone realises they are people like me and uh, and they have the same attitudes and they want to do the same things and they have a great time together.
1: Absolutely. When my daughter did it, she was 19 or 20. Uh, she was the youngest person in her group. But, um, you know, she she made friends easily um, with with people of all ages. I think there were a couple who adopted her
0: there'll be a couple in their 60s and they will uh, adopt her for the time <laughs> well, we had a, we, um, as a family we did a, um, a sailing trip in Myanmar a few years ago and there was only there was four of us and three others and there was quite a young girl and trip who was about 19 and and she she told us at the end at the start of the trip she said uh she no she didn't say she felt I don't know what it's going to be like travelling with his family on this confined space of a yacht. And she said at the end of the trip, she felt like she was part of the family.
1: (laughs) I love that. That's so, so, so cool. Profit through purpose, profit with purpose. Let's talk about this. I love how Intrepid phrases this on your website, that profit and purpose are a package deal. Can Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: I, um, I guess I can, but I guess it goes back to to the last few years of, of us focusing more on purpose, and that has driven profit. And for us, profit is really important. We've got to be a profitable company to exist into the future. We have to be a profitable company to enable us to grow. Um, and you know, while people would question the, the, the ideal of growth, growth is um enables us to um offer more styles of travel and more destinations, but even more importantly, it offers us the chance, it gives us a chance to offer uh growth to our people so that they can be doing new and interesting things. So so growth is really important and profit is really important. Um and uh purpose drives them and, and so um you know. We can use our profit to do more purposeful activities, which will in turn uh, drive our our growth and profit. They just they just do, do go hand in hand. It's been proven for us, and um, and it's what we do now.
1: So, and so, why do you think th- there are two parts of that that I that I want to just go a little bit deeper on? Why Why do you think it, the evidence is there that purpose, true, you know, meaningful, genuine purpose? Um, companies that are purposeful through their actions that that drives profit and yet why is there such hesitant hesitancy in the business world to step onto that path it's like they are so connected to the idea of it's all going to be about profit what, what's stopping it do you think
0: i think uh one of the big issues is short-termism and uh And that's such a huge issue. And for us, I think we've always had a long-term view of what we're doing as a business. Um, That's just the way we are. And that is so beneficial because you're willing to do um, something that's purposeful, that isn't going to necessarily give you um, a growth spurt in the next three months, but it'll give you a growth spurt over the next three years or five years. and so yeah so it's a bit of a leap of faith for for a business to divert funds from some other activity to um to something that might be uh might be a bit more purposeful mm. and i guess uh you know there's lots and lots of examples but but one uh that's fairly important to me was um you remember back i think in about 2015 there was a really bad earthquake in Nepal and <laughs> Um, and we discovered at that time that we take more, our, our local destination management company there takes more people trekking than any other business in Nepal. So we realised we were quite significant to it. And we uh, made a commitment to really uh, put a lot of effort into Nepal recovering from the uh, earthquake. Because one of the issues is, can be that when there's a major disaster in a country, people just put it off their radar. And so they might not think about going there for three or four years, but we wanted Nepal to um, to get back on its feet really quickly because tourism is so important. So we um, we took some journalists over there later that year to show them um, the recovery process and that Nepal was going to be ready for the uh, for the following year. Uh, and we also, although we didn't pay for it, we also helped to organize um, some Japanese engineers to go over and assess what needed to be done so repairs could happen more quickly. Um, and, uh, and so while it was an investment for us to um, to take these journalists over there, take them traveling around Nepal for a little bit, um, it, it, um, it paid for off for us enormously. So over the next few years, our um, our ranking in terms, our um our Google ranking for Nepal went went up really high, and our search engine uh uh search search for Nepal was really high for us. Um and two years later, our our sales to Nepal were going through the roof.
1: Yeah, brilliant. Hmm. Brilliant. And and that's it. I mean, there there are um some people, I I I call them the the pur- purpose purists who say, You know, you should, you should, every business should do good, but they shouldn't expect to get anything out of it. And I just, for me, Intrepid is such a great example, because I don't think those people are thinking big enough. Because when you are having positive impact on the world, um, if that is what is driving your business success, then it enables, as you said before, it enables you to scale your impact and create more positive impact.
0: That's right, and so you know, every traveller who is travelling with us maybe isn't doing something that's less impactful, which is um, uh, which is really positive.
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so, um, what advice do you have to leaders in business who are considering right now? They're thinking about making that shift. You know, um, either they're in an existing business and they're trying to figure out how do I take that first step, or they might be starting a business, but there might be some reservations. Do you, do you have any words of advice for them?
0: Oh, look, I think um, I think the important thing is not to try and come up with a purpose today. It's not something to do um, you know immediately. It, it'll come over time if you put a bit of effort in, and it's not necessarily your personal purpose, um, because the business might survive you and, and it needs to be beyond who you are. So I think it's important to engage your people um, and identify what's important for them and what's, what, what's the vision that they see for the future as a result of the business activities. So talking through that can help to identify uh, purpose. It's it's a bit like values in a way. It's not something that should be created by the owner or the senior managers. Um, You know values need to be created by the whole company um, and then they'll reflect the diversity that you'll probably have in a company much more than you will have in, in the owner or in the senior managers. So um so um and, and then i guess um thinking long term um which we've talked about you know it's going to it might take some costs now um but it but it's always it will pay off in the future um yeah, so 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 really exploring over time and, and i guess the other thing is to 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 consider um the use of external consultants, because there's lots of people out there who can help an organization uh, to find their purpose. There's lots of books out there, of course, which can read about purpose now, which are really useful, but but having someone who who does that on a regular basis can help help draw uh, that purpose uh, out that might already exist in a business, mm. um, but you just haven't yet identified it. Uh, it. It can be how the situation is quite often.
1: And that that's so true. It's got to be true to who you are. It can't be manufactured. It can't no. be marketed. It's got to come from, you know, from a truth, even if it's a seed of a truth, but it's got to come from something that is real. Otherwise, it's going to go nowhere.
0: And, and, and it's got to be real. And you've got to believe it with your heart and soul so that um, you'll stick with it no matter what. So even if you're going through a, a COVID, um, you continue to hold your purpose as the most important thing.
1: Brilliant. Brilliant. I have one last question for you, Jeff. Today, the year is 2021. We have nine years until 2030 the target Mm -hmm. date for the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which you Mm -hmm. are totally aligned to. We are the generation who can do something about the future. Future generations won't have the chance that we have today. What is your message to your fellow um, human beings in business?
0: Uh, I guess... um... My message is that um, business and and capitalism is a a core part of society. It's not separate from society and it needs to contribute to society the same as other parts of society contribute. Uh, And especially as all our lives are so tied up in, uh, in business of some form or another, um, and especially as governments seem to be moving in a way that they're um, not willing to contribute as much to, uh, to society as they were in the past, it means we need um, different parts of society to be really stepping up and, and business needs to be stepping up uh, in, in lots of ways. And I guess the most important way is to be um, to be acting to, uh, to ensure that we achieve the 2030 targets.
1: Brilliant. Jeff, thank you so much um, for joining us. Um, And look, if people want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that?
0: Um, I'll probably just find me on LinkedIn. I mean, everyone uses LinkedIn, and they can find me pretty easily on LinkedIn. So so that's a, a really easy way of finding me. Yeah.
1: Yep. brilliant and Thank if you. they want
0: to find our um annual report that's that's on our website they can can find that it, um it's it's long but um but you can dabble dabble into bits and pieces of it as it interests you
1: we are going to put a link to the annual report in the show notes it, it's brilliant i love it i encourage people to read it it is Inspirational, and I can't believe I've said that about an annual report, but it absolutely is, and I've already started sharing it with other people as a model um, for, you know, what they can do. So yeah, Yeah. I encourage people.
0: Yeah, and look, we're really proud of the annual report because um, it isn't about what happened last year; it's about um, what Intrepid wants to do in the future and how we're going to about doing that and um and businesses should be and how are we going about doing it and what are the um they're called capitals but what are the resources that we use to uh to uh, grow the business into the future and i was just going to say we've also just had a um a study done of, on us by someone at harvard university so i'll forward that to you and maybe you can put
1: that oh please that's do
0: it's short and it's just a, a a brief glimpse of what it's is about so i'll send that to you
1: please do thank you so much jeff you guys absolutely rock and you're providing leadership for other businesses and i appreciate you um, so much for coming on this show thank you thanks
0: for listening to this episode of the for love and money podcast if you'd like to take a deeper dive
1: into the purpose movement visit us at thecauseeffect.com.au and remember doing good is good for business So if you're not doing good, then what are you doing?